I hope that everyone is excited to be here tonight. Uh, it's been a great day, even though the weather has, has tried to, to darken our day a little bit. It's been a good day. It's good to see everyone back here tonight. It's so awesome uh, to be able to worship with uh, 800-something people as we did this morning, and uh, I guess three or 400 that are back tonight. It's different when you go from worshiping in El Salvador with uh, around 100 people or so, a smaller congregation. It's neat to, to come together with Christians and, and sing songs of praise and pray together and study from God's Word. So it's good to see everybody back tonight. Um, hope you had a good afternoon. I got to celebrate my great-aunt's 98th birthday today, and uh, it was pretty neat. I had an, I had an idea. Uh, her and, I think my grandmother is in her uh, early 90s. I can't remember the number. But uh, I decided I thought that would be a good idea if, if me and the other grandkids... Uh, hid some eggs out in the yard, and we, we saw who could get more eggs, my great-aunt or my grandmother, but they weren't, they weren't excited about that, so thought it'd be kind of a reverse thing there, but um, it'd be entertainment for everybody, but it was good to be with them today. Uh, this week, uh, I went to El Salvador with so many others, uh, and it was just a great experience. Uh, let me encourage you, I know in a few weeks we'll talk about all the numbers and, and things, but uh, just let me encourage you, if you can ever go on one of those trips, there's, I know there's several mission opportunities here at Mount Juliet, and, and I thank uh, God for that, and, and thank our elders for uh, their, their foresight there. But if you can ever go to El Salvador, it, it, can, uh, it can change the way you look at things, and it really open your eyes. Um, so think about that. The trip was, was great. Uh, it was hot. Uh, there was... Uh, a few times we didn't have water, and, uh, you know, there were a few minor things like that, but uh, it was great. We had a, a good team that pulled together. We had a maintenance crew that, that kept uh, the bathrooms working. Uh, we had cooks that kept us fed, and uh, doctors and nurses and, and, and people that helped treat all the people in El Salvador and helped take care of their medical needs. And uh, everybody on our team had a different task. And everybody just kind of pulled together, and, and we got everything done. And it was pretty neat to see. Uh, so, but it is good to be home and good to be back. If I uh, pause up here for every now and then, every few minutes, uh, just bear with me. I've been used to having a translator stand beside me and, uh, and convey everything I'm saying in, in Spanish. So uh, anyway, if I pause there, then, then I'm waiting for the Spanish translation. But... You know, and speaking with a translator is a little different. I've had uh, some different experiences with this. Uh, the first time I got to go to El Salvador and I had a translator, I was, I was really spoiled because this guy was, he spoke English better than I did, and also he could speak Spanish. And uh, he, was, he was awesome. He, he, it seemed like he knew what I was going to say before I say it. Um, or maybe he just had something better to say than what I was going to say. But he was a really good translator. And then the next year, I was... I was, you know, my eyes were open because I had a guy named uh, Gilberto, and Gilberto was going to be my translator. We'd been introduced the first day we were there, and we're, I'm all ready to go. I've got my notes ready, and as we're on the way to the first class, he says, um, by the way, brother, this is going to be tough because I don't speak English, and I said, well, that's great. Uh, th this ought to be a fun experience, and uh, so he, he looked over at me in the first class, and and said, I, I, I said something, I'm waiting for him to translate it. He looks over, he says, 
how do you say that? I said, I don't know, you're the translator. <laughs> I'm not speaking Spanish. And, uh, but um, this year I had a guy named Elias. And Elias is a 20-year-old uh, young man. And uh, his dad has, has been a preacher many years. And Elias is a, is a neat guy. He's still learning English, but uh, he was a little bit better than Gilberto. And, um, but Elias was funny uh, because he would, he would always, we, we spent the week about, you know, this far apart from each other sleeping. He was right next to me. And, uh, and he would, um, he'd always try to make me laugh and things. And, and we'd be up preaching. And, and the last night he wasn't feeling very good. And so we're, we're in the middle of this. We're getting close to offering the invitation. And he comes over and he says, he says, Phil, I don't know if I can do this, brother. I'm about to fall out. I was like, I was like, Elias, you got to stay up here and finish this lesson. You're not, you're not passing out on me. And he's like, and, uh, it was, it was funny too. Cause I gave him each night. I would give him an outline and usually it was like a front and back page. And one night I gave him a lesson that David had let me borrow. And it was about six pages staple to each other. And when I gave it to him, I said, now, Elias, don't worry. I'm not going to do all this. I'm going to, I'm going to hit these parts right here. And, uh, he was worried. He came up to me before he said, he said, I, I can't do this, brother. And he said, I, I can't translate all this. And I said, I said, just, I said, you can do it. You're the man. We'll, we'll get through this. And uh, so anyway, speaking with the translator is a little bit different. Uh, but uh, anyway, it's good to be home and good to be back with y'all. Um, tonight we're going to look at how uh, God can change your life. Uh, down there this week, uh, I think we had eight or nine people that were baptized into Christ. And we taught many people the gospel uh, who had never heard it before. And we, we sowed the seed. And, uh, and it's truly exciting to be able to do that, to be able to tell someone about Jesus who's never heard. And uh, tonight I want to talk about how God can change your life if you allow him to. Um, and we're going to look at three different, three different passages, uh, three different situations uh, where God can change your life. And they all start with T. Uh, so if you're taking notes, this might help you remember. Um, we're going to look at uh, in torment. We're going to look at a, a tree. And we're going to look at a tool. All right? And how each one, uh, God can change your life. Luke chapter 16 is the first passage. And as you turn there, Luke chapter 16, I want you to think about something. If you had the ability, I know everyone here has lost someone in their life that was close to them, whether it was a family member, whether it was a friend. Uh, we've all lost someone that, that's close to us in life before. And I want you to think, if, if they could talk to you right now, what would they say? And not if you could talk to them, but, but if, a, if that person that was close to you, if that person, that family member, that friend, if they could talk to you right now, uh, having died, what would they say to you right now? And as we think about that, let's go to Luke 16. Verses 19 through 31. Starting in verse 19, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus 
to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, son, you remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here while you're in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will, they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Here we have a story about a rich man and a poor man. Rich man and Lazarus. And while they were on earth, the rich man had everything. He had the finest clothes. He had luxury. He had, he had the nice things. He had the possessions. Uh, everything in his life was good. And yet, here we have the poor man that would lay at his gate every day and beg. A man who had sores covering his body. A man who just longed to eat the crumbs from the table for, that would fall off his table. And here we have, when they died... The rich man who had everything on earth is now in torment, in hell, in eternal fire. And yet the poor man that would lay there and beg was in heaven, was in eternal comfort. And you know, as, as we think about that, you know, we think, well, well what, is, what matters in life, you know? And what can you take from this life? Because we can't take any possessions, we can't take uh, any clothes, any, any jewelry, any fine things we have, any cars, any houses. Uh, those things uh, won't go on. The only thing that, that is going to go on is, is our soul. And that depends on how we've treated people and how we've lived. And if we've treated people with the love of Christ. And if we've lived as Jesus would. Well, the rich man didn't do that while he was on earth. And now he's in eternal torment. But the poor man that, that no one would help is now in eternal comfort. And you know, as, as the rich man uh, was in eternal torment, and as he was uh, in agony, what did he cry out for? He cried out, he wanted uh, Father Abraham just to dip his, his finger in water and put it on his tongue, just to give him just a, just a moment of relief. That's all he wanted. Father Abraham said, no, I can't do that. And so what did he ask for then? What was he concerned about? He said, I have a father and I have five brothers. Please send somebody to them and tell them so that they are not in agony for eternity like me. Father Abraham said, no. So they have Moses, they have the prophets. He says that he can't send anybody. We think about tonight, you think about a person in, in your life, a person that you've lost, uh, someone close to you. What would they say to you tonight? What would they be concerned about? 
here all this man wants to do, once he realizes that he's there, and once the rich man realizes that he can't go back, all he wants to do is get somebody to go and tell his brothers and tell his father so that they don't experience the same torment that he's in. But yet he can't. And so tonight, God can change your life. Because Father Abraham said they have Moses, they have the prophets. We have the word of God. And for us to change our life, all we have to do is, is study God's word and see what it tells us to do. So the first example is in torment. That God can change your life. The next is, is a tree. In Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Flip over there. Luke 19, 1 through 10. This is a familiar story about Zacchaeus. And I've always really liked this story. From the time I was little and we'd sing this song. Starting in verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. But how did the people react? In verse 7, all the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. Look at verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. Here we have an example of how God can change your life, how God can change someone's life. Here's this man, Zacchaeus, a man who was a tax collector, a man who was dishonest, a man who took advantage of people, a man who was despised by everyone in town. Now, when Jesus picked him out of the tree and said, I'm coming to your house, everybody else said, why is he going to this sinner's house? Why is he going to be the guest of a sinner? And yet we see that when he came in contact with Jesus, when he saw Jesus and, and, and Jesus called him out, he said, today I will pay back every man. He said, I'll give my, half of my possessions to the poor right now. And if I owe anybody anything... I'm going to pay him four times the amount in return. God has the ability to change someone's life. Here's a man who had been living like the world, and yet he comes in contact with Jesus, and he changes his life. This is a perfect example of repentance. Because when we repent, we're living one way, and we have to... Decide with all our heart and our mind that we're not going to live like that anymore, that we're going to live like God, that we're going to follow Jesus. And here this man did that. You know, this past week, uh, there were two teenage girls that were sisters, and they were named Mary and Daisy in El Salvador. And these girls, I don't know what kind of life they had lived up to that point. I do know that, that 
They had never come in contact with Jesus before. And these girls, one of them, Mary, the older one, was sitting there in the compound one day. Uh, she had come to the clinic, and she was sitting there just looking through a flyer. You know, everybody thinks that everybody throws away those, those flyers that people hand out. But here's a girl sitting there uh, reading over one of these tracts about the plan of salvation. And uh, one of the men from the group, Jack Farber, uh, the leader, uh, was walking by and he saw her sitting there reading this. And he sat down with her and started to talk to her. And from there it led to, to he and two others studying with her. And a young girl that was baptized about two or three years ago, sitting down with, with Mary and helping uh, teach her about the gospel. And this girl would come to class every night. And you could see in her eyes the desire to learn. You could see in her the desire to be something better, the desire to be good. And one night, towards the end of the week, her and her sister were baptized. And I hope, and it's my prayer, and I hope that we will all pray for them and these other young Christians in this church in El Salvador, uh, because they are young, and, and pray that they will continue to grow and to study. But these girls changed their life. They had been living one way. They had been living like the rest of the world, and yet... They came in contact with Jesus and they knew that they wanted to change. And God allows us to do that. So we learn from an example of, of torment. We learn from uh, the tree here that Zacchaeus was in. And then we learn from a tool about how God can change your life. In Romans chapter 6, you turn over to Romans chapter 6. Andrew read from the, the first part of this chapter this morning, and I'm going to read from the, the last part this evening. Start at verse 12 and read along with me. Romans 6, verse 12. Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And all... And offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or whether, you, whether to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. Now let's stop right there, verse 21. I want you to think about something. 
here in verse 13. Well, let's think about something before we read that. This right here is a pen. But it's also an instrument. And you can take this, and I can give it to uh, my buddy Rob right here. And I give it to Rob, and he can take this pen, and he can take a sheet of paper. And Rob can only, off, he can only write bad things on that sheet of paper. Negative things, things that tear people down, things that uh, slander, things that uh, show wickedness, things that uh, are of the devil. But you know, I can, I can take this same pen, and I can give it to Michael over here. And I give that pen to him, and I give him a sheet of paper, and he can write nothing but good things on it. He can write only things that build up, only things that encourage, only things that are positive, only godly things on that sheet of paper. What's the difference? The pen is the same. The instrument is the same. It's how they choose to use it. And in verse 13 it says, Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness. All of us here tonight are instruments. And we have the choice of how we use our body, how we, how we use ourselves. Are you using yourself as an instrument of wickedness, as an instrument uh, for Satan, for negativity, um, for bad things? Are you using it for good? Are you using it for godly things? It's your choice. But here's the great thing. Verse 18 says, You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Verse 17 says, Thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. Here this is saying, God is great because he allows us to change. Because I don't know what Mary and Daisy had written on their paper throughout their life. But I know what they have now. And maybe Rob has written nothing but bad things throughout his life. Maybe his life is, is a paper full of, full of sin, full of negativity. There's, there's some of us here tonight that have many things that we'd be ashamed to show anybody else. But you know what? God allows us to change. Because God can take that sheet of paper and he can throw it away. If we, if we make up our mind to change, we can take that sheet of paper with our sin, with those things that we'd be ashamed for anyone to know, and we can throw them away. And we can start a whole new sheet of paper. That is why God is awesome. And that's how he allows us to change. That's how he allows us to repent. I stopped at 21 because I wanted you to notice 22 and 23. Because if we're a slave to sin, if we use our instrument as sin, what's the result? Verse 21 says, What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you're now ashamed of? Those things result in death. Those wicked things are going to lead to eternal torment. But look at 22 and 23. But now 
that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefits you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. Verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You have the choice tonight. You have the choice every day. The rich man who was wicked, who had everything he thought, he ended up in eternal torment. He couldn't go back and change. He couldn't even send someone to tell his brothers to change or his father. But we have the ability to change tonight. And we have the ability, if we've used ourselves, if we've, if we've given ourselves over to wickedness, we have the ability to change. You have the ability to take that sheet of paper with your sin on it and throw it away. Decide to, to give your life to God, to repent and follow him. I studied with a girl this past week in El Salvador named Beatrice. And Beatrice was a 15-year-old girl who had been married for about a month. Yes, married at 15. <laughs> Can't imagine. But I studied with Beatrice, and uh, she was a sharp girl. I studied with her and, her and her friend, and we were studying. And uh, as we went through, we studied together, and we studied about the sin in our life, and we studied about uh, what we needed to do to be saved and, and the plan of salvation. And as we, we got through, and, it, and so we went, we went back through, and I asked them, I said, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? And they said, yes. I said, do you, are you willing to uh, repent of your sins? Are you willing to, to turn away from those things of the world that distract you? And she said, yes. And I said, are you willing to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? Are you willing to confess that Jesus is the Son of God? And Beatrice thought about it, and she said, no. I said, why? She didn't really know. And we sat there, and, and we ended up uh, walking away. I don't know, know what will happen to her, but <laughs> she wasn't ready. Something was holding her back. Something uh, had convinced her that this life on this earth is more important than where we spend eternity. Something was pulling her, uh, something was attracting her to this world and not allowing uh, God to come into her life. But we have the choice tonight of what we do. Final verse I want to read is in Luke chapter 9, verse 23 through 25. <coughs> Luke chapter 9, verse 23 through 25. Before I read this, there's, there was another girl in El Salvador. A girl was, uh, who was a friend of Mary and Daisy's and who wanted to be a Christian. And she was she was pregnant. She was about to have a baby soon and probably about 19, 20 years old. And uh, the only thing was she was ready to be baptized, but she was living uh, with her boyfriend. And she wanted to marry him, but he wouldn't marry her. 
But she said that she was going to keep on living with him. She wasn't willing to repent. Uh, she wanted to be saved, but, but she was living in sin. And she wouldn't change that. And you know, it, it, it breaks your heart. Uh, I know all of us that were down there were, were just, um, you know, sad for this girl. And, you know, you just, you just wish that you could, you could help them uh, make the right choice. But here she was. Uh, she was more willing to, to hang on to this guy uh, than, than to make her life right with God. And we all have that choice right now, tonight. may not be a boyfriend or girlfriend, uh, may not be a, a husband or wife, but there's something, uh, there's going to be something in each of our lives that we have to decide between, that we have to decide, is this the most important thing, or is following God the most important thing? And Luke 9 talks about that. Verse 23, the words of Jesus, Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? Or forfeit his soul? That's the choice that we have tonight. God can change your life. God changed many people's lives in the Bible and he can change your life today. But we have to decide, are we ready? Do we want that? Or are we too caught up in the world? Are we too caught up in the things that we love about this world? The rich man got caught up in the world. And he spent eternity in hell. It's more important how we live. It's more important the decisions we make and how uh, our soul is with God than any other thing. And any amount of possessions, any amount of wealth, any amount of thing that we have in this earth, that's the most important thing. So tonight the choice is yours. We're commanded to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, to repent of our sins, to change our life from those wrong things and follow God, to confess before men that Jesus is Lord, Confess that Jesus is the Son of God and be baptized into the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. If you've never done that, if you've never obeyed, don't put God off any longer. This is the Lord's invitation because the power is God's to change your life and He can do that tonight. If you have become a Christian, but yet your page of paper reflects something other than Christ. If you have uh, sin in your life, you've, you've, you've gone astray, and you need the prayers of the church, then you can come tonight too. Repent and, and get your life right with God. If you have any need tonight, please come as we stand and sing.